All right, Maria. So today's podcast is Rossi Summers, a KDS parent. Yeah, great, great conversation. A little different than maybe where our other guests, um, what our other guests have, have their viewpoint, their perspective, their stories. So it was a great conversation to have. Um, I love Rossi's passion yeah. and her desire uh, to see change for the next generation. Well, and one of the things that Rossi definitely brings is a very different perspective. Um, she's going to talk about that. She also said in our hope to have unpolarizing conversations about polarizing topics that she said, ah, I might be a little bit more polarizing. And, and I appreciated that. And I think she came at it with a, a real spirit of change, but a spirit that I think is, is well grounded and not divisive at all. So skeptics may raise some eyebrows at what she has to say, but I think nonetheless, they're her experiences. She's uh, speaking to them and I don't want to spoil the podcast. That's why I'm being a little vague, yeah. but yeah, has some great stories as well. Some really encouraging stories that she shared, which I'm so glad she did. Um, and excited for you guys to hear those. Absolutely. So we introduced this podcast to you, uh, Maria and I, uh, and Rossi Summers, again, KDS parent, uh, she'll introduce herself on the podcast, but hope you guys can enjoy, ask some tough questions. We'll have, uh, one more, of our podcast of unpolarizing polarizing conversations and we'll go from there all right thanks hello my name is taylor clement i'm the head of school at kirk day school and i'm maria massey the assistant head of school at kirk day school and i am rossi summers i'm a my parent at uh, kirk day my daughter macy attends here in the first grade, and I work with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition as the Chief Operating Officer uh, for the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition. Well, and we are thrilled to have you here uh, this afternoon, Rossi, and it's great to have you. We know each other as parents. We see each, each other in carpool on a regular basis. Um, Rossi, by the way, has also been featured in the St. Louis Business Journal for the work that she does with with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition. And one of the things, though, that I think is, is standing out um, is I would I want to give Rossi credit. Um, she, she definitely has been at least a catalyst for me to get these conversations going. I've had several people, Rossi was one of them, because I think, Rossi, uh, you, you definitely have a boldness about yourself when it comes to discussing race, when it, it comes to discussing how to be a positive change. And that's really inspired some of these conversations. And I know a lot of folks that have been listening, uh, you guys have reached out and, and have appreciated these. And I think, Rossi, you're going to have a great perspective on, on where we go today. And so we're excited to have you. So thanks for being with us. Oh, I appreciate you um, asking me to come. Yeah, well, we're, we're thrilled. <laughs> well, all right. So let, let's go ahead and start here, though, Rossi. Um, let's hear your story. I mean, and that's something that we want to always bring out. Um, our theology is going to say that every child that comes through Kirk Day School, no matter the color of their skin, is an image bearer of God. And I think the best way that we can do that is hearing each other's story. And you grew up in East St. Louis. I think you, um, you have somewhat of the American dream story on, on paper. But I, I want you to unpack that. And if you wouldn't mind, just share your story with us. Um, okay, well, I... Uh was born and raised in East St. Louis and received my education from East St. Louis School District. Um, and then from there, I went to University of Kansas and um, worked in the banking industry and went back to school, got a couple of master's degrees, 
um, worked in a bank and kind of felt like I wanted to do something more, went into the nonprofit world, and I've been there for over 20 years, uh, working with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in HR and finances, and um, now the chief operating officer. Um, and um, my story is, you know, the story of just a person just, you know, w wanting to work hard, wanted to be a good member of society. Um, but it, it, it's definitely, like I said, can be an inspiration to others, but it is just my story and, and, and it doesn't re reflect all the black Americans in the world um, and their stories and their situations. Um, and I definitely uh, want to let people know that Still, even with all of that, with education, and some people say, oh, you know, education is the great equalizer. And um, I don't know who we're equalizing or what's being equalized and what, <laughs> by what measure, but, um, you know, I still continue to face, you know, systemic racism every day. And I, and I tell that to my colleagues, I tell that to my church and um, to my community and leaders, you know, that that, that system of racism is still there. and. Um, that I have to overcome it um, in spite of. Yeah. Well, I'm curious when you say when you say that, tell us what that looks like, um, especially from from a white person's perspective. I, I have a lot of what you know different people have told me that is, not necessarily, but I know that looks different for everybody. I'd be curious. Yeah, what that what that is daily for you, or what what things you notice? For me, um, you know, it could be, you know, um, recently my husband and I refinanced our home, you know, which is is a good thing. Um, but you know, I when I I was recommended by one of my coworkers to go through this particular mortgage company. And um, when I got the paperwork back, um, it didn't look quite right to me. You know, some of the numbers were, you know, higher than I thought they should be. Um, and I'm in finance, so, you know, I checked the numbers. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I pointed those things out um, and, you know, the paperwork changed, you know, but had I not mm -hmm. done that, you know, and even if you say, well, you know, you make this salary, you know, you and your husband make this salary amount of money or whatever. Um, but if I'm having to have a higher interest rate, if I'm having to have higher fees, you know, then that is money that I can't invest. Sure. You know, and grow my wealth. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's that, that, that's kind of some of the things that, you know, that that, mm -hmm. that looks like. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not even something that I would have thought of. And I know that's the, the I mean, because I haven't had that in the same way, haven't had to deal with that. I'm not even aware of those things. And I think that's so much of what these conversations are hopefully about is bringing some awareness that there are stories out there that are different than ours. Yeah, and I think on the last um, podcast, you asked about, you know, seeing the color and you don't yeah. see color. And, yeah. and I've heard it both ways too. And, um, you know, my stance on it is that, you know, we should see color, you know. Um, because why not? We, we should, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it because then you see me, you see my story, you see 
everything. It's not about the color. It's about how you interpret the color. And we can be different. You know, uh, my husband has good friends from Malaysia and Indonesia. And, you know, they are, are very different. And we love them so much, the things that they bring, their culture, and, you know, the things um, that are different um, from Americans. And we, we love it. That's okay. It's okay to be different. There's We don't have to you know, walk around being blind. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, let's, let's jump back in. And I don't want to miss some of the, the depth, especially of, of what you're talking about and what you experience every day. But I, I, let's go back for a second. You grew up in East St. Louis and East St. Louis, as we know, is definitely um, a very impoverished area of our nation. We know that it, there's a high crime rate that comes out of St. East St. Louis that we hear about, at least on the news. And I think all the way back to the original National Lampoon's Vacation, there is a scene in that movie where the Griswold family pulls over in East St. Louis and they lose all their tires and then they have to get new tires and then they finally like make it onto their journey on the Wally World. I mean, it has it's had a horrible reputation for years and years. And I, and I bring that up not to be anything other than what was it like growing up in East St. Louis? Because from the outside looking in, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, my goodness, you know, don't go there. But you grew up there. I mean, that's your home. It is. And, you know, and that's another thing about, you know, just changing the, the imagery of, you know, um, right. cities like East St. Louis. I mean, I could say the same thing about St. Louis. I could say the same thing about any uh, area, you know, um, of this country, we can go there, and it, it's just how yes. it's portrayed. Um, when I grew up, it was it was not like that. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's crime everywhere, um, but that was not my um, actually. And I tell the story, and my husband, you know, I lived in East St. Louis. I got married and came over to St. Louis because that's where his family was. And when I came move over to St. Louis, you know, I somebody stole my license and my uh, tags off my car. My car was, you know, so, and none of that stuff had happened in East St. Louis. You know, it was kind of more of a community. We all knew each other. And um, so, but yeah, it was, um, you know, it is an impoverished city, um, but there's some great people that come out of East St. Louis, some fantastic leaders. My uh, class in particular just have just put out some great leaders in our community. So, that that's awesome to hear. So if somebody's coming and they're saying, "Well, that that's good for you." What? How would you? How would you say no? But this is something that's really great about East St. Louis, because I, I'd love to hear that from your perspective. Growing up there, what was something maybe tangible that that almost anyone could identify with? You say, "No, this was something great that came out of my upbringing there." I mean, it was definitely the teachers that were in our community. Um, I had the fortune of having the majority of my teachers be African-American um, and they meant excellence and they did not tolerate anything but that. They demanded excellence of us. They knew we could do it and they demanded it of us and we rose to the occasion. Um, I, you know, from elementary to middle school to um, high school, we just had amazing educators um, and they, they taught us well and uh, they just, gave us a good foundation and told us what was required to do it and to be successful. And we just followed that model. And like I said, there are so many of my classmates and before and after me that have gone to do really great work in the East St. Louis community and beyond. 
Oh, that's really cool. And, I, and then I would also say, you know, that, you know, the, the imagery and um, I think your, uh, your God brother, um, Mr. Anthony, you know, he was saying, you know, you just got to get to know people, you know, and, and then you, you can decide. But there are people that will never get a chance to know a, a black American person. I mean, you can go cradle to grave without having an interaction mm-hmm. with a black person. And so what you see is what you see on TV, you know, that's not always represented in the most positive light for um, black American people, you know, so you, you go by that. And, you know, um, and also when you're talking about um, the, the gentleman in Yateman, um, and he was saying, you know, Taylor, you got to get out of here, you know, it's, it's getting dark, you know. Um, in that same light, you know, there's also, we call it sundown towns for African Americans too. I have, you know, my white colleagues, you know, when I go south, say, you <laughs> Don't go there in the, you know, so in that saying, but we only hear about the, you know, yeah, you know, Taylor, you have to get out of here, but there, we have sundown towns too. Uh, yeah. Talk, <laughs> talk, talk about that. Talk, I mean, what, where have you visited where you've, you've experienced that or a colleague has experienced a sundown town? I'm very curious as to this because I think, I think you're right. It's, it goes two ways. Yeah. And I, I mean, in the South, I mean, South St. Louis. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just, just yeah. South St. Louis, um, you know, I have co-workers that, um, you know, work a lot with the children's divisions and, you know, foster families, adoptive families down south. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not always as welcoming as other places, mm. you know, and they'll say, you know, you, you shouldn't go there. Well, why are you going there? Why not? Mm. Sorry, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm just letting that sink in because I, again, like don't. That that's not something that's necessarily crossed my mind. Um, as far as the opposite, you know, of yeah, there there are places that for the same reason, like I can't go. You know, it doesn't feel safe to go at night. Um, so thinking about even what we were talking about before we got on here, um, the 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 racism that you experience, and that there are. Is it ignorance? Is it um, is it purposeful? Talk about that a little bit. Like, what what is your perspective um, on that? Um, I just heard um, Neil deGrasse say uh, something. He said that the challenge of this world is that we know enough to be right about a subject, but not enough to be wrong. Mm. And I think that's that's what it is. I mean, we know the surface things, you know, about different subjects and how it should be, or, you know, that doesn't matter to me, or that's not my experience, so it doesn't matter to me, therefore it doesn't matter to me, therefore it doesn't matter at all. You know, and I think that's kind of sometimes how I, how I see it, um, you know, and, you know, racism can show up as, as, you know, and people think, oh, it's just, you know, someone being mean or saying the n-word you know but it it can show up in uh, a a lot of different places you know if you're not aware of it and it's you know subtle I mean we we've done fundraisers and um you know because work for a nonprofit, you do a lot of fundraisers and we were at the front neck and um all of my colleagues were there and we had our name tags you know because we we were hosting and um we were all standing around and 
uh, a gentleman comes up to me, you know, and says, oh, excuse me, do you work here? You know, and um, like, no, I don't work here, you know, but, you know, uh, what my response should have been is, what, what about me makes you think that I work here? You know, I'm standing around with everybody else, but what about me makes you think that I work here? Mm. You know, it's just, you know, subtle things like, like that. Um, and that I don't think he meant anything by it. Sure. It was unconscious, right. I believe. Right. But, you know. Ignorance still hurts. Yeah. It still hurts. Yeah, it still causes pain. Yeah, even if it's, it's not intentional. And, yeah. and I tell people all the time, and I told you guys, I'm like the queen of, <laughs> of analogies, you know. Even if it's not intentional, you know, there's still, you know, no one wakes up in the morning and say that they're getting ready to get in a car accident. You know, nobody does that, you know, but it does happen. You know, somebody has a car accident yeah. and, you know, there's all this glass, there's all this, you know, things that go on mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody is hurt. You don't, you didn't mean to hurt that person. Mm-hmm. You didn't, but that person is hurt. Mm-hmm. There's glass everywhere. It has to be cleaned up unless everybody else that comes over there. They're going to run over the glass. It's going to, you know, so we have to, we have to clean it up, yeah. you know, but it wasn't, you know, it's not intentional, mm-hmm. but we still have to, you know, clean it up. Well, Rossi, you, you come across, uh, from the conversations that we've had, we've, this isn't our first conversation on race, um, but you come across with great conviction and, and I don't find, um, even, even your comments offensive because I know you are so desiring a more peaceful world for your children and you're, you're hoping to see to um, repair and restoration in a really healthy way. And one of the things that Maria and I sit down with every new family at Kirk Day School is we talk about, you know, when we see broken relationships, our hope is that God will restore those. And I think you have a lot of hope in, in that restoration, but you also see that there's a lot of distance before we get to that hope. So talk about some things that, that you're hopeful for that we can kind of, as co-laborers across a racial aisle, I would say come in and, and really ask the question, okay, what can we do? What, how can we cover that gap between where we are and where we should be? That's a, a great question. And, um, you know, we really have to just be aware that these things exist you know we have to be aware and i think about you know even the podcast you guys did on um you know when you shut the school down for you know the three days Mm -hmm. um and i thought about that and i said you know what if we treated racism like that you know that we looked at it from every point everybody perspective like you guys did you looked at it from the teachers from the students from the parents perspective what's going to be best you went to the experts to see you know what it is that we should be doing what's best how can we prevent it you know what is it how can we prevent it you if we took that approach you know what's the government's responsibility in all of this you know um and i think if we look at things like that we can come up with a solution because you know, we're all so, you know, we're, 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 we're very intelligent and we have what it takes. That's why I have the hope, because I know we have what it takes to make this work, you know, to bring peace, you know, in, in, in our country. I know that we, we do um, and we just need to, you know, it's, it's all of our problems, you know, it's all of us. It's, it's not going to take one person, one group of persons. It's going to take all of us to to do the work 
Um, and, and that's what it looks like for me. What's a, what's an area that you get ex- most excited about when you see something happening for positive change? When it's somebody that's taking ownership, they're, they're stepping into that, that kind of line and maybe taking a risk of their own, uh, whether they're white or black, but something that gets you excited today. And, you know, you're right. It is risky. You know, it is risky um, to, to be an ally um, or... Uh, to do the work, um, but I get excited because, um, you know, like I said, we, we have to be aware. You know, that's the first step. We, we all have to understand that, um, you know, racism is out there, and, and that's okay, you know. Uh, privilege is out there, you know, and, and that's okay. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't have right privilege. Um, what is it? I'm not rich. I'm, you know, and it's not about being rich. It's not about, you know, having made it easy. It's just that, you know, um, and, and maybe it should have been called, you know, black disadvantage, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, it's, you know, when, when you think about the, the civil rights movement, you know, and you think about uh, segregation, you know, if you want, even if you were poor, you know, if you wanted to go in, you could. You know, you could go there. Yeah. You have the privilege of, of, of going there if you wanted to go there. Um, you know, so um, I just get hopeful because I know that there are smart people. I know that there are good people that are in the world. Um, and like I said, I want to change the narrative. But part of changing the narrative is to being aware. And, you know, we just can't um, play nice and not, um, you know, like I said, I was thinking about the, the other podcast and um you know and and it was all the information that they were saying I did agree with but you know there's that big elephant in the room that we have to talk about and I think when you say I don't see color you know you just got to get to know people treat everybody right I think when we do that um we tend to miss out on opportunities to have conversations like these for everybody to grow and move to a better place um you know, when I see the, the young children, when I see Macy and Anderson, you know, um, your son Taylor, you know, in the classrooms together, you know, that gives me hope. Um, and, um, you know, I did want, you know, want to tell the story of um, Macy with our, our police officer. You know, that gave me great hope. That gave me so much hope that, um, um, you know, we were uh, pulled over by um, a police officer one Friday and um, he said I was going 40 and 56, and I didn't really think I was going that fast. I'm not really an aggressive driver, you know, but um, we got pulled over anyway. He asked for my um, insurance and my driver's license, and I obliged. And, um, you know, my daughter, who's seven, you know, she started to really get very fretful, very fretful. And I just did not understand her reaction because she hasn't had a lot of interaction with police officers and um, I, I just didn't understand it and then I you know I did I know re- we've had that television on we've had you know stories of George Floyd Breonna Taylor Ahmaud Arbery you know and we've had all those conversations uh, amongst myself my husband my, my son my daughter and you know she's listening she's seeing how we're responding and she she was just afraid that I was going to be hurt she was afraid that I was going to go to jail and she just you know didn't understand and and uh, the police officer comes back, and I ask him, I say, you know, my daughter is afraid. 
I said, and you need to tell her everything's going to be all right. And he did. You know, I rolled down my window. He talked to her, asked her name, her school, where she was going. Uh, thank God I only got a warning, you know. And uh, he said, you know, no, you go to school. You have a great day. And, uh, you know, and we did. And we came here, and she went to school. And um, then the next day, which was Saturday, you know, we get a knock on the door, and, and it's the police officer. And he came just to check on her to see how she was doing um, to see how, you know, she was, um, because he said she had really touched his heart and, um, you know, he just wanted to check on her. And so he let her go out to the car and make all this noise with the sirens. And you know, <laughs> she got a really kick out of that. And, you know, and she was like, mom, he's, he's a nice police officer. He's a nice police officer. And I'm like, yeah, he is. And so he says, you like ice cream? And she says, yes. He said, oh, I'll be back tomorrow. And he came back on Sunday, you know, as promised, and uh, he brought her a gift card and, you know, talked, and I, and I had a conversation with him, and I, you know, just wanted him to, to ask him, you know, you know, why did you, you come back? And, you know, and he said, in, you know, with everything that's going on, um, you know, he just wanted to make sure that we were okay, and and I and I, and I appreciated his, his courage. You know, my husband uh, prayed for him, prayed for his precinct, prayed for him to be safe, um, and, you know, if what I wanted for Macy, what I wanted for myself and what I wanted for the police officers, for us to change the narrative, you know, the narrative that police officers are bad, you know, in our, in, in, especially in the black American community. Um, and we know that's not right. I'm intelligent. You know, I'm spiritual. I know that they are good people. I know uh, they're great police officers. I have some in my family, you know, and so, but I needed to change the narrative for Macy because she could have grown up having that in her heart, and I didn't want that. You know, I wanted her to know that there are good police officers. But I also wanted him to know that there are good African-American men out there, too, um, and that we're not all the same. And so, um, and, and he did. He, I think he, you know, he got it. Um, and uh, that gives me great hope. That gave me so much hope, you know, um, that you know, we're going to be old, you know, I'll be, have a milestone birthday coming up, and I'm going to be ancestors, and like I said, I want to hand this world over to Macy and to Anderson in a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's a powerful story, mm -hmm. too. It is. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think as I'm listening to you talk, um, if I'm totally honest and a little vulnerable, what makes it hard to have these conversations for me is that I'm afraid I'm going to do it wrong because some of the narrative that I hear is that white people just don't get it. We just don't understand and we don't want to understand. And I totally get why that's out there. And I'm, I'm just curious as you hear that, like, I mean, yeah, I mean that, that fear of doing it wrong of disappointing someone on this side, disappointing someone on that side. I think we can all associate with that. We've all felt that in different ways. Yeah, and I have heard that from my colleagues and my coworkers. And, you know, Maria, we are going to get it wrong. Anytime you, Taylor, you're leader, you're going to get it wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just When do. I get it wrong, everybody at Carpool lets me know. Yeah. When I get the emails after Carpool letting me know. Plenty so, of yeah. reminders. Yeah, yeah. so we, we're going to get it wrong. And it's not about getting it wrong. It's about what do we do after we get it wrong? How do we mm. fix it? You know, and there are some people that say, hey, do the work yourself. You figure it out. You know, um, I just, I don't tend to take that stance. 
you know, if someone wants to ask me a question, I'm, that's what I want. I want people to know. I want people to be aware, you know. So mm-hmm. I have taken that stance. Yes, come to me. You know, it's not about calling somebody. We're going to make mistakes. And I tell, you know, my coworkers that we are going to make mistakes. Um, we're going to have to be vulnerable. You know, that's what we have to get comfortable with, that we are going to make mm-hmm. mistakes. That's the that's the comfortable part about that, that we have to get comfortable about that. Um, but we, I, I don't want to, I tell them, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. You know, I'm calling you up and calling mm-hmm. you in. You know, and, and it's not about shame. It's not about, it's not about that. It's just being aware so that we can fix the problem. You know, you, you can't not know, you can't fix something if you don't really know what's broken, mm-hmm. you know, and where it stems from. Um, you know, it's just not enough, um, you know, to know the, the, the basics. You know, it's like an iceberg, you know, the tip, but up under that, what's embedded up under all of that. You know, and that's how we can get rid of it. So, you know, I just believe that we have to have these conversations. We have to make impactful decisions and policies that make, you know, we have to change. But we have to be intentional about it. You know, we have to be intentional, you know, um, unless it's just not going to happen. We're going to just, you know, it's going to go right back to status quo, you know, and that's not good enough. And, you know, I'm not going to rest until our better because it has gotten better but until our better is best yeah yeah and i think it's so easy in our culture to just cancel people when they fail right um rather than take the approach of like okay what can we do to repair when we fail um which is what the gospel says right like that's the gospel is that in our failure someone came and repaired it for us um and and fixed it and and um, yeah, I think that that's a helpful perspective, the needed perspective that we, we have to have if we're going to make change. Yeah, and I think somebody said nobody is ever as right as we think they are, and nobody is really as ever wrong as we think they are. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, let's, let's just add one more thing, if that's okay. I'm going to press you a little bit. What does it look like for a white West County family to be intentional? Um, it's, it's, it looks like, you know, just changing the narrative. When you see something um, that's not right, you know, to say something about it. Um, you know, we can't just turn the other way, you know, and be silent about it. Um, you know, it, it just looks like, you know, making, uh, including and in, in being fair um, you know, and, and like I said, when I think about, you know, the children and, and the messaging that um, people give to their children, we have to be careful about that. Um, and, you know, um, to be intentional also is, um, you know, Taylor, we've talked a little bit about diversity at the school. It, it is intentional and, and opening up that recruitment a little bit more and finding, you know, some um, teachers of color because you have you know, children of color here at the school and representation matters, um, you know, and, and we have to be intentional. Otherwise, it, it won't happen, you know. Um, and um, like I said, just being loving, you know, on basic needs, you know, we all have the same things and we just need to meet each other there. Um, but I think, 
you know, just being kind, being being human and seeing a person mm-hmm. for who they are um, and not, you know, associate, you know, all the stereotypes that, that people have, but, you know, just being intentional about just, you know, fairness. Yeah. So moving to just kind of the last question that I have, it really has to do with just private education, but how we lead others to have this better awareness. Yes, we're doing podcasts, but I can think of um, no less than three instances that have happened recently with schools where I have good friendships with folks and really it's, it's become local, if not national news because of race relationships when someone's either tried to do the right thing and then it kind of gets backfired. And I think Maria, you were talking about messing up and the fear of messing up. Um, so I'll, I'll give this and, I'll, and it goes back to a conversation that Rossi and I had earlier uh, this semester that I actually loved and was very affirming and challenging to me in, in a way that I didn't see. But, um, you know, there's black blackout Tuesday that, uh, that occurred over the summer where folks across the country didn't post anything on that Tuesday or they would post just a black square to just raise awareness of George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor, and others who, who had p- passed away uh, with with really unfair cause. Um, let me stop that. Not really unfair cause. Unfair cause. I'm not going to even try to qualify that. Unfair cause. And in that, though, um, Rossi, you had asked me, why didn't Kirk Day School do anything? And the reason I, I bring this up is I saw several schools who did post something, and it almost tore them apart. And you had some that were praising the the move, some that were absolutely irate by the move, and then some that were irate for a different reason. They were saying that you were being hypocritical by doing that because that's not the student experience that I had at that institution. And so there were these very polarizing views of that. Uh, more recently, there's a school outside of Nashville, and they're going through a, a major issue. It's it's now um, starting to become national news. But the school had gone through um, a, a pre-election campaign, and they had implored every faculty and student, do not post anything about the campaigns. We want to have these conversations, but we want to do them uh, not in the public sector. We want to have this as a family, and, and they have a, a diverse board. They they have a diverse board. They have a diverse student population. It's very much, um, they, they've been in this way for a long time. And a white teacher posted about the Capitol uh, uprising on January 6th and has since um, stirred up a lot because he, he's very much, he teaches an African-American history course, and there's all sorts of things that have come out, and, and basically he broke his school's policy, but he was affirming the black community and, 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 and <laughs> in this post. And it's all, it gets all so tangled, right? And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm even losing my own train of thought as I'm telling this because everything gets tangled and we get fearful. And, and I'll be honest, I get fearful of leading Kirk Day School in a way that is either um, a, a political way that I don't want to lead us or I get fearful that I'm going to offend someone. And so I bring that up. Sorry, that's a very long way and winded way of, of asking, how would you encourage us to act from, from Rossi Summer's perspective, from your experience as a parent, how would you encourage us to act? Because it feels like if we act, we're essentially 
going to lose. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I would be remiss if I didn't think that that was a tough situation, you know, and I, I do um, understand that. And, and like I was saying, you know, our character, you know, dictates, you know, the conduct in any situation, you know, the character of the situation and what we know is right and wrong, you know, and not to politicize everything, you know, and, um, you know, about, you know, it, we have African, you have brown students here, you know, and if you, we say we love them, you know, we have to love the cause that they're, you know, that you see that they're happening when we have, you know, the coronavirus and how families are impacted by that, you know, and we, we do the things to help them with, through that, you know, and, you know, families were impacted by, you know, it was, it was a national just mourning of, you know, to see um, that mistreatment of um, Mr. Floyd, you know, that he <laughs> was tried and executed in, on the street. That's, that's, that's not right. You know, it's unfair. Um, and that should never happen. And, you know, there's, you know, good police officers for sure. They're bad everythings. You know, they're bad doctors. We don't let them keep practicing. They're bad pilots. We don't let them keep flying. You know, it's just having the courage to stand up when you see something that's wrong. You know, um, you say something, you know, um, and you affirm those, you know, children that, you know, they are, you know, this is this is not right. And, um, you know, you know, if families are, are hurting, you know, what can we do? Because it could be something different for, for every family. You know, it could be something different, but you affirm it. And, you know, um, Dr. King said it's, it's not, you know, the 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 bad thing, and I'm definitely um, misquoting, it's not the bad things that um, happen, it's, it's, it's the silence of our friends, you know, that, that is going to make it worse. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask this question, because I think this is a cultural misnomer, Maria, you're going you're gonna to like this. Is it okay, and, and you don't even have to answer this, is it okay to be a quiet voice in a room of really loud people? And the reason why I say it that way is I feel like in our current social media, media as a whole, there's a lot of shouting. And rarely do those quiet voices get heard. But the, there are some great quiet voices out there that speak to all of what we're talking about and have some really good solutions. But it doesn't seem like it's okay to, to just speak truth, even if you're speaking it. And, and by quiet, I don't mean purposefully quiet. I just mean that somebody that's not shouting. Right, and I think that, um, you know, people have to find their thing, you know. Um, you know, some people protest, you know, or, or you know, and out, out in the street and protest. Some people, you know, make sure that the laws are, you know, and that, that's where I want to be. I want to impact the laws and, and be impactful. So you have to find your thing, you know, what, what works for you, what feels comfortable for you. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of psychology behind it. You know, it's not just about getting the message because I do believe that, you know, I, I believe that protesting is a part of, of justice, um, but I don't believe in looting, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. It's, it's not moral. And I think more than that, it diverts the attention away from the real cause that we should be fighting for. And then people begin to focus on that. And that really makes me angry because we need to focus on the cause and hear that. And I think there's just like a deeper cry 
you know, that, that the, the nation is having, but we get diverted from that. Um, and so, um, you know, you have to find your voice, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and is, you know, and then sometimes I you would tell my brother because he was, you know, love him to death, but, you know, he would be so passionate about a thing, you know, um, but I would tell him so many times um, that your delivery diminishes your message, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he would be spot on with what he was saying, but his delivery diminished the method. So sometimes that's not the best avenue to get your point across if you want to communicate. Communication is what you're saying the other person is receiving, you know. And so um, if you want to make a difference, you want people to hear, you know, it's not always, you know, the loudest people in the room. Which is very countercultural. In this moment in time, it is much more about who can shout the loudest. Um, you know, I even think of Taylor Swift's song, you know, the why don't you all just calm down. Um <laughs> And, and yeah. I mean, she is commenting on something that is, I feel a lot is that, yeah, it's in all of the things that are out of our control and all of the voices that we hear, what do we trust? How in the world do we communicate that to our, our children whose brains are still forming, you know, and we're having a hard time understanding it and feeling like it doesn't matter unless it's loud. Um, and, and I know inside of me, that's just, that's not that's not the right way to go about it. But man, sometimes it feels like you are just climbing up a hill with, you know, a huge weight on you because everything just feels like you can't do it um, or it's not going to be done in the right way from a leadership perspective too, that, you know, um, something like that's going to be upsetting. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's finish this conversation by, by the question, Rossi, how would you affirm and how would you critique um, just where we are today and, and challenge our community in that affirmation and critique of saying, you know, this, this could be better. This is where I see a lot of love and we can move forward. What, what would you say to that? We definitely have to um, get more knowledgeable, you know, and be aware of, you know, the um, microaggressions, those little things that you, you don't think about or, you know, the impact that things, and I see that happening, you know, but, you know, we do have a, a long way to go uh, as far as learning about that and knowing about that and wanting to learn and want to know um, about different things and how it impacts. And I, I would tell people, you know, just because, is happening behind you doesn't mean it's not happening, you know, and we have to um, know that about our uh, fellow brothers and sisters in our communities and our schools and our churches, you know, we just can't just be nice, you know, as a community, as a church, you know, we, we're just, we're dysfunctional family, you know, but we are family, Amen. (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, just dysfunctional at the same time. And we should be showing the church should be really showing the world how to do this. You know, um, we have to, to get it right. We can't just like, you know, step over, you know, Mr. Floyd and, and go have coffee. You know, we have to deal with that, with, with that issue. You know, if we see things that's, wrong you know we have to call it out and make a difference i mean we have to be intentional we have to you know make policies and make decisions that um are fair and that are not going to harm anyone 
you know, um, you know, so we have, we, we, we have to do that. We have to be better about knowing some of those things and asking, you know, what is this? And, um, you know, racism is, it's not just so simplistic. It's not just simple, you know, there's a lot and we cannot think that, you know, people say, Oh, 1964, you know, you know, like we just, with a, you know, a stroke of a pen, hundreds and hundreds of years um, you know, of racism and systemic racism just went away. You know, it doesn't, it didn't happen that way. Um, and so we, we definitely have to be aware of that and, um, you know, and, and, and make those um, changes. And, you know, I can go on and on about, you know, uh, economic, the wealth gap and all of those things that that'll be for another day. Um <laughs> But, you know, I have a lot to say about that um, because I think that's where a lot of things stem from, you know, is, is poverty, you know, is poverty. Um, and people say black on black crime, you know, there's all kinds of crime, you know, yeah. you hurt people yeah. that you're around. But, you know, what's shown in the community is, is what's out there. But, you know, to affirm, you know, I do see people wanting to do better, wanting to know what can I do you know, and are making some really good strides and not just throwing, you know, money behind, you know, but really putting in some programs, you know, that will help and, and change, you know, the laws in our cities and in our communities and wanting to do, you know, the work. I mean, we have turned that outrage that we saw in the streets, you know, from corner to corner in this country and from, from the world we saw outrage, you know, but then we have to turn that into some policies that back up that outrage, you know, and I do see, you know, some of that happening. You know, we, we still have a, a long way to go. It's a process, you know, I was telling them, it's a process. It's not going to just happen overnight, but it's a process. And I see that people are willing. And that's why I think it's so different in this time right now. I see that the, it feels like, you know, the time is right. Like we mm. are at a turning point you know, in this country. And I think that if we all can get together and, you know, make some good choices, some good decisions, that we can get to a better place. And I, and I, I do see that. And, and I'm very, I'm hopeful, you know, not that I don't have days that I'm, I'm hurting and not that I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm like, oh my God, what now what, you know, but I, I do see that, um, you know, that we, we can get there and I'll continue to have that um, hope. Wow, thank you, Russell. Yeah, thank you. This is this has been great, and it's it's been challenging, and it's not easy to hear, and it's it's also, um, you know, it's one of those things though that I think is is helpful to hear, knowing that we have an opportunity to make changes that are beneficial and can do so with with a little bit of of grace when when we do mess up. And I think, and I appreciate what you've said, and I appreciate your perspective and just the stories that you have, because I know your your heart is to be intentional about this and and to make this place better for our kids. And, and absolutely, I appreciate absolutely, it. grace. I mean, God gives us grace every day. You know, it's a new every morning. I say new every minute. <laughs> Amen. New every minute. You know, and you know, blessed are the the peacemakers. <laughs> we yeah. are the sons and daughters of, of Christ. So, you know, that's what I believe. Uh. Well, thank you. And uh, parents, as, as we go on with this series, uh, we will 
We want your feedback. We want to keep going. Ask the questions and give us tough questions to ask. We're happy to do that. And Rossi is is around, and so um, that would be one that we can easily go back to to her wealth of knowledge and, and passion for this subject. But as we keep going, we, we want you to keep listening. We thank you guys for the support that you've given us. And Rossi, again, thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back soon. And thank you, uh, um, Maria, and thank you, Taylor, for having the courage and having the passion to do this. It is not unnoticed, and I really, really, my heart is smiling, you know, and I thank you guys so much. Thank you. All right, Till next time.